hello everyone and welcome to another very exciting Civilizations in Review. We're here with another fellow, Kirsten Mullen, um, calling in from Morocco. I'm so excited to hear a little bit about what you're doing there as well, Kirsten. Um, but thank you so much for writing this fabulous empire, the Aglabid Dynasty, which we'll dive into in a moment. Um, you are joining with us on Facebook, so welcome all. Uh, we will also be cross-posting this to our Instagram, our website, our Spotify, and our YouTube, so you can engage with this fabulous conversation and learn about this pretty important Northern African dynasty. Um, we will also, uh, the best place really to engage with the content though is the website itself. Uh, we will talk about most of uh, the great work that Kirsten wrote, uh, but there are so many more art articles, hyperlinks, and historical facts about this fabulous dynasty that we will not even get to in this call. So please go to the al website, scroll to the Civilizations 101 section, and luckily Aglabid is only the fifth one down uh, alphabetically, so you don't have to scroll very far to learn more about this fantastic, um, engaging, um, excuse me, fourth one down, um, Empire. So without any further ado, I'm going to throw it over to Anna, our fabulous co-moderator extraordinaire, to read the one-on-one word intro, and we'll start this conversation. Thank you all again for being here. Excited to learn about this empire. Thanks, Ben. Welcome, everyone. Welcome, Kirsten. Um, the Agrobids were an Arab dynasty of Amirs that ruled the Turkia, a historical region consisting of Tunisia, Libya, and Algeria and parts of the southern Italy and Sicily for about a century beginning in 800 CE. The Agrobids gained power when Ibrahim al-Aglab was appointed emir of the region. Under Agrobid's rule, Ifriqiya became one of the autonomous states in the Abbasid Caliphate. The capital of Ifriqiya was present-day Tunisian city of Hariruan, which became the most important center of academics in the Maghreb and Agrobid rule. Aglabid ruled over Ifriqiya and ended uh, around 900 CE when the Fatimids came to power. Um, wow, this is this actually stretched uh, very long. Tunisia, Libya, Algeria, you know, parts of, of Italy. It looks like it was pretty prominent in, in the in the area and pretty strong. Um, what do you how how did you find you know what made you want to write about this and, and how did you find that sort of kind of spread that they had and in, inception. In yeah, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. Um, and yeah, I chose um, this empire in particular because um, the bulk of my professional experience at this point has been in North Africa. So I really wanted to choose an empire that was primarily in North Africa. Um, previously, I was a Middle Eastern North Africa fellow in Tunisia, um, and the head of the Al-Globid Empire was based in Tunisia. It wasn't in Tunis where I was, it was in Kairouan, but obviously, like, the country of Tunisia was kind of the center of the empire, um, and it's played a really important part in Tunisian history, so I was excited to learn more um, about the past. I think when you think about like ancient Tunisia, the first thing that comes to everyone's mind is Carthage. And that's obviously the most well-known um, ancient empire. Um, I hadn't really heard about the Aglovids before. So I was excited to, to dive in and learn more um, about, especially about a country that means so much to me. We'd love to hear that. Uh, Carthage is also on al website. So please, <laughs> another very powerful empire. Um, what I find really cool about the Aglabids is kind of just as you mentioned, Kirsten, it's not really talked about in the discourse of 
African, North African empires, dynasties, kingdoms, and yet they were, you know, not only spanned a relatively long time, but a pretty wide geography hitting parts of um, Europe as well. A lot of the North African empires talk about Morocco and Spain, and so I think this is interesting that this empire specifically is connected to Italy. Um, so I, I don't know if you have more details about the like geographic reach of the Aglabids, but that's sort of where I want to start this conversation um, and your research about them. Yeah, so um, like you said, the geographic reach was pretty um, extensive. Um, the Aglubid Empire, they nominally, nominally ruled on behalf of the Abbasids, who were based out of uh, Baghdad, but they're widely considered to be the first independent rulers of Ifriqiya, um, the region that consists of modern-day Tunisia, Algeria, and Libya. Um, but one of the like main points in their history was the conquest of Sicily. Um, so parts of, at one point, the um, empire ruled parts of southern Italy as well, including Malta and I believe Corsica. Um, so they had a very wide ranging from like, parts of Algeria through Tunisia to Libya um, and then parts of um, southern Europe as well. They were known for their strength in their fleet. Um, so for their um, powers in terms of uh, being able to conquer by boat. Um, so I think that's what really helped them with the conquest of Sicily. Um, so yeah, a very wide geographic reach um, and um, very like powerful empire at the time as well. That is actually amazing. I think that most of the ones that I have done, at least I haven't heard about like uh, by boat or fleet or mm. kind of like this conquering uh, uh, through water, which usually happens uh, by land and, and it just kind of continues yeah. on, especially when the spread is so big. I mean, I personally wrote about Seljuk and it was it was pretty widespread, but there was no kind of like hitting like any ocean or moving uh, like, you know, across uh, in, in that sense. Um, so this is this is actually like very interesting. I can imagine that there was a lot in the in the ruling system and economic wise that they kind of like, you know, could sustain this is this sort of uh, power. Um, yeah. but there was something that no go ahead please I was just gonna say it was particularly surprising to me when I read that because um Carthage or Tunis wasn't the base of the empire it was in Chiron which actually isn't on the Mediterranean like it's inland in right. Tunisia so it was interesting to me that um they were so powerful by sea um but it played like a big role in their ability to expand the empire no, for sure. I mean, they, they went from, you know, uh, this, this spread in, in northern Africa kind of moving into to Italy for some time. And also the, the timing that they, um, they were ruling. I mean, it was it's quite long. And, and, you know, you think about it and it's pretty amazing. Something that was mentioned in the um, sort of intro was that um, they became an important center for academics. And I wonder if uh, some of this... Uh, influence and some of this education and system you know we can see it today uh, in Tunisia I think primarily. Yeah definitely so um, I think one of their most famous um, architectural impacts has been the Grand Mosque of Kadwan which is very well known yeah. it's a beautiful mosque um, and that was uh, primarily constructed by the Aglabids. I believe I believe that they also played a very big role in um, the Mosque Zaytuna in Tunis. Um, so um, have a lot of uh, impact today, as well as some aqueducts outside of Kairouan, which are still very famous um, and still a landmark that people visit for tourism purposes, but in the at the time played a big role in bringing wealth to the region um, 
And they were known for investing in those public work projects um, in aqueducts and things like that that would benefit the whole of society. Wow, amazing. The, the main photo of Aglibid is the Grand Mosque of Karawan. Yeah. So please check out the photo of the, yeah. on the, <laughs> um, the hyperlink is to like a full series of this mosque. So you can see mm. a lot of the different photos of this still standing uh, architectural marvel from, you know, like uh, over a thousand years ago um, yeah. to, to see that it's still standing and engaging. Um, I, I know we already talked about the boats, but I just think that's a really important point to, <laughs> to really talk about still some more. So many of these empires and we have 93 total, I would say easily 85 of them without even really looking had nothing to do with water travel um mm. absolutely aqueducts you know using new pipelines sure they were smart with how to use water but they didn't primarily travel by it um either because of landlocked or other things and so i i just think it's you don't have to necessarily say anything additional but i just yeah. want to reiterate how unique that is um that that was the way that uh you know how else could they have gotten to sicily to corsica to malta right was the boat is the only answer and <laughs> the fleet yeah. yes. <laughs> could have gone down through the Sahara but they mm. said so, uh, and just that is just something so different in the ways of a lot of these empires still conquest probably still enslaved people probably you know the same trade routes as normal right. but to utilize boats and have such a powerful fleet um, and to not be talked about today I think is is a disservice to the ingenious and incredible ability of this empire so you know, say more if you have more details on the boats or water travel, but I just think it's something really fascinating to highlight that I wanted to share again. I don't have more details on the boats or water travel, but do about the just kind of fact that the empire is generally overlooked for how much they produce. Um, yeah. There are some scholars who have referred to the um, Aglibid rule as the golden age of that time period. Um, it was a really wealthy um a really wealthy empire and the wealth of the empire like played a really big role in why the Fatimids who were essentially who ended up taking down the Aglibids but why they wanted control over Afrikia was because of how much um wealth the Aglibids were able to produce out of that empire and that land so yeah I think it's very interesting as well um that they are understudied that is like a theme that came up a lot in my research when I was trying to find information first of all there's like not a ton of information out there but then a lot of the information that I did find was lamenting the fact that they are and it is an understudied uh period in history um and calling for kind of more scholarship around around the empire and around just middle medieval North Africa in general, not just the Aglobids that are understudied, but a lot of the empires that existed around the same time period in North Africa. Um, one of the texts that I read said that the majority of focus has been historically on Egypt and Iraq, um, but that a lot of the empires in North Africa really deserve to be studied as well for the impact um, that they've had on the region and on history. Hey, you know what? That's why Alphazaic is here, because yeah. the first <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we're covering so many empires and we're discovering so many new things and, and amazing, you know, uh, influence that some of these empires still have today. I mean, a lot, like you said, like a lot of the work that they did is, is quite maybe overlooked, but it was really important in that time, but also important for today because it created, uh, you know, this, this, this sort of uh, like areas and, and uh, created the systems for what works in, in in today's in, in the region um i was thinking about uh, because a lot of the times we you know i don't 
I, I, I like to think about like what the politics look like, what like, mm. how did they rule, like how did they rule or like what made them, you know, uh, so prominent and spread so much and spread so long and, and you know, how did the people react to this and, and that sort of uh, kind of uh, thing. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, that, like I said, there was not a ton of information um, on the um, empire generally. So I don't know if I have an exact answer, but I can, <laughs> I have a little bit. Um, so one of the things I think that did make them so powerful, like why, like why this empire, why did they generate so much wealth was the position. Like Tunisia is really well positioned in general. It's halfway between Morocco and Egypt. So is able to connect kind of all of North Africa. It's connected to the Sahara on the bottom. So they were able to have trade routes with sub-Saharan Africa. And then obviously, um, able to reach Southern Europe by boat. So it was really like kind of in the center of the Mediterranean and able to kind of capitalize on that position. Um, and it's through those trade routes that they really generated a lot of that wealth. Um, like Ben had mentioned before, they did participate in the slave trade, which also generated a lot of wealth for the empire. Um, and those connections, I think, particularly with Egypt, which um, gave access to the rest of the Middle Eastern empires was really important um, in terms of their like general location. Um, I did read that they had a very, um, very complicated judicial system and tax system. Um, so they're also well known for those two, those two facets. <laughs> Can be, uh, you know, perfect. <laughs> Can you yeah, say more? No, of course not. <laughs> Do you know a bit more details of the complicated tax system by any chance? I don't. And most of the things that I read just said that they had an extensive tax system. But then, you know, it also said that they did um, invest heavily in public works. So I'm assuming that the heavy tax system helped fund those things like the aqueducts and um, public works that they invested in. A, a lot of early Islamic empires um, leaned into the taxation system for, you know, local communities, different religious okay. Et cetera. So it's probably in that same space. Just always curious yeah. how different communities uh, utilize their financial wealth. Um, and clearly the Aglubids focused on travel and trade mm -hmm. more yes. than anything. Um, interesting. Um, so you've mentioned Golden Age a couple of times. And I think, you know, the whole point of this Alphusaic civilizations interview is to spotlight all of the strong empires that made an impact in the region, or as many as we can, all of maybe too, too large of a word. Um, you know, do you have any more details about sort of how this empire was such a golden age for, you know, the hundreds of years it was in power? The golden age. Um, yeah, I think it was just that um, on top of the economic wealth, Kavran also became a real center of Islamic thought and scholarship and education. Um, so at that time within the Mediterranean countries, Kairouan was really the center. Um, it was where people would go to study Islamic thought, is where like a lot of scholarship was based out of. Um, so on top of the like economic dominance kind of, there was also that important thought and literature that kind of came out of that period from Kairouan being the center. Um, and Kairouan is still like an important city in Tunisia to this day and is definitely yeah. that way as being like a center of thought. Um, so I thought that that was really interesting that, you know, that position, Tunis is definitely, it's the capital, it's definitely the economic center, but Kairouan is definitely, um, continues to play an important role in modern day Tunisia, which I'm sure is no, no coincidence. <laughs> 
No, and most definitely the, you know, when economics and kind of mixes with education and it goes together, it remains, it's, it has the influence for over time, yes. which is, you know, it's such an important piece of, of like, I think of these, uh, a lot of these um, dynasties, empires, and early civilizations, they, they set the tone for what the rest of the country would look like. Um, I right. think, you know, I think it's it's great. Uh, actually, I'm still very much impressed as well by, uh, you know, the the fleets and the conquering and, and going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for sure. It's, it's something new and, and it's definitely very fascinating. Um, and also, the, you know, how, how did like, was it like more of like a solo kind of empire? Did they have any like allies or was it was there anyone kind of like you know with them or so it wasn't a solo empire I think I mentioned earlier that they were ruling on behalf of the Abbasids in Iraq um and something interesting that I just read actually was that in the um Mosque Zetuna in Tunis it's still there's some writing saying that um I don't exactly know what it was is, but it mentions the Abbasid Empire as opposed to the Aglubid Empire because they were ruling on behalf of the Abbasid Empire who wanted to expand mm-hmm. reach in North Africa. Um, when the Aglubid Empire started to gain dominance in North Africa, um, Abbasid people were still the primary, uh, the majority of the population in North Africa. And then they played a role in kind of the expansion of um the Iraqi empire and the Arab influence in North Africa. Um, so that was another kind of key, um, key fact about the empire. The idea of like a vassal state, which I know on a writing Seljuk is a very big thing that you're familiar with too, um, is, is a pretty common one in a lot of these empires. Mm. And, and for us, yeah. for Al-Husayk's purposes, those vassal states are their own empire, maybe on behalf of sure, but they themselves have their own land and their own tribulations and their yeah. own boats, I guess, to deal with. So, <laughs> their own boats. Uh, I mean, yes, the Abbasid, you know, is known for its full reach, but right. really the North African or Ifriqiya portion was clearly the Aglubids for part of its history, which is, yeah, this article and exists in the first place. It's yeah. really interesting. It was actually really hard for me to discern to what extent yeah. the Abbasids played a role in Aglubid decision making. It seems like mm. There was one sentence that I read in one of the like uh, sources that I consulted that said it was like in all but name. Like it was really the Abbasids, they never questioned the authority of Iraq over the region, but they were re- like the Aglubids were really the primary rulers. They didn't consult with them on any major decisions. Um, they were um, functionally, I think, the first independent rulers of the region, despite technically ruling on behalf of the Abbasid Empire. So it was kind of, like I said, it's a little bit hard to tell exactly because there wasn't super detailed information on it, um, but it does seem that for the most part they were independent um, over the region and were like really making a lot of decisions on their own. Yeah, I mean, I can see it. And, and even when you when you spoke about the ruling system and the harsh taxes and the hard kind of judiciary, I mean, I that that sort of comes from the people, how, how well they accept, you know, who's ruling them. And, and how much, you know, they, t- they take it in. So that was actually one other piece that I was thinking about when you were uh, saying about the, the, the harsh tax system. You know, it's only harsh if the people don't really accept it. You know, it may look harsh in, in, in theory, but, you know, if there are public works and there are other things that, you know, people are okay with, like the, the teachings, Islamic teachings, et cetera. I think that, you know, at the end, it wasn't so harsh and, and, and kind of elevated their position um in the in the region and also gave them the you know the very well-deserved uh, influence that they had and you know it, it, it's very um 
fascinating a lot of times to learn about these empires because it teaches us something about today, like how how you rule people or like <laughs> how a political system is designed or a government, you know? Um, and I always think about that. Um, yeah. uh, how does the civilization comes into power, how it remains in power, what it does in the time and how, you know, that continues to live on, you know, we're talking about it <laughs> so long after. Yeah. I Unfortunately, I wasn't really able to find much information on how the empire was perceived by the general populace. Um, like I said, it is yeah. understudied. And that's like a, I think, a viewpoint that's kind of understudied generally in history. So for an yeah. understudied empire, probably even less likely that there's going to be sources out there related to that. But it is a really interesting question. And it's something that um, I would love to, you know, learn more about um, if any like scholarship emerges on it. Something to think about. <laughs> yeah, updated article down the road. Can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Carson, you're, you're one of the primary experts, seemingly in Aglubid, so maybe that's something you focus on. I'm not going to throw it away, but excited to see. Yeah, maybe the title expert is a bit much, but I had, did enjoy researching them a lot. It's very <laughs> interesting. <laughs> Having this on our site is such a huge space to add to the discussion because uh, you know the Aglubid community in of itself, regardless of being a Abbasid vassal or otherwise still mm. was a big part of this community. Yeah. You know, the name comes from a very, you know, influential North African Tunisian man. Like the, this, this history is still centered. All of Kar Karoyan is like the connection points to it. So it's clear that this is an, an, a conversation that has needed to be had. And so yeah. expert or otherwise, thank you for writing this article and, and educating Afuzek's global community and anyone else you meet about the strength, the history, the you know legacy of this dynasty. So thank you, regardless. Yeah, of, of course. I just wanted to share something else quickly. I just mm. just trying to find the quote exactly, but um, I was something that really struck me in terms of um, the importance of the empire going through to today is that on Tunisia's official tourism website. So today. Uh -huh. Cool. Um, they say that under the Aglubids, Tunisia regained the economic, economic, political, and cultural influence that it had in the antiquity. So even yep. Tunisia's official government recognizes the Aglubids as a pretty influential empire in its history. So um, definitely <laughs> glad to have been able to study them as well. Uh, incredible, especially since you yeah. personally spent so much time in Tunisia. Yes. To yeah. That line is, is really, really fantastic. Yeah, exactly. Any other fun facts, uh, cool historical pieces, you know, things you maybe you left out because it was too much info um, that you want to share about the Aglubids from your research? Um, I'm trying to look. I have my notes here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think that we hit a lot of the a lot of the important um, a lot of the important things. Um, but yeah, I'm sure that there's a lot more out there, and I'm sure hopefully that there's more people that will be studying it in the future, and more information will continue to emerge that we can share. We can do as many Aglubid articles yeah. as necessary. <laughs> well, thank you, first and foremost, for writing this fabulous article. Um, I know it's something you personally are very invested in in your time in Tunisia and the rest of North Africa, but this article is a, a great example of the importance of talking about the different historical components. Um, and it's great to see that, you know, modern Tunisia, that's part of their tourism website. Yeah, that, I mean, that's a tiny, tiny thing, not a huge deal, but the fact that it's right. recognized as, hey, this is part of our history. Let's celebrate and showcase the uh, magnificence that still remains. It's something that's really beautiful to talk about. Um, thank you, Anna, for your candor and perspective. It's always so exciting to hear um, your thoughts and questions.
Um, and again, Kirsten, for such a spectacular article um, and conversation today. What, what a fabulous time. And any final words of wisdom or historical facts you'd like to share before we sign off? Um, I would just encourage people to take time to look at the civilization section on the website. There are really so many, so many that I personally did not know about, even as someone who is really interested in this region and history. Um, there's a lot, a lot there. I relied on other parts of the website very heavily for my own research um, when reading about the, you know, who came before the Aglobids, who came after the Aglobids, like where are they in kind of the timeline of history. Um, so yeah, I would definitely check out that section of the website. And there's so many other great things on the website that it's definitely worth a visit. It's lovely to hear that from someone that's not myself. So thank you. <laughs> of course. <laughs> exactly why I, I agree. I mean, beautifully said, I couldn't do it better. It, that's exactly what Alphusaic's civilization interview section was set up for. Um, and I mean, specifically on Aglobid, um, there are at least five other empires on mm -hmm. Alphazate's website, it's hyperlinked. So that in of itself is a conversation throughout our own site of all of these different empires and their connection points. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, please check it out. We have only four remaining. So if you'd like to be one of the lucky yes, final four, uh, <laughs> please join us at the Alphazaic Write For Us link, everything at the Alphazaic website, A-L-F-U-S-A-I-C dot N-E-T. Thank you again, Kirsten, for such a fantastic article yeah. and your candor. Thank you, Anna, for your... Um, fabulous questions and just support. And thank you, audience, for listening, engaging, and hopefully reading this fantastic article. Everything's on the Alf Guzik website. Um, we'll wrap up here. Thanks so much, everyone. Have a nice rest of your day. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Bye.